Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, happy new year. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have my very good friend Rahul back in Connecticut. Rahul, Merry Christmas, happy new year. It's been a while since we've been on this episode, these podcasts. It's good to catch up with you, my friend. It's been a very long time. I feel like I haven't spoken to you since last year. You haven't spoken to me since last year. That's a good one. No, look, it's been overdue, I think. We've had a lot of football that has come through, but how are your holidays to start off with? They were good. It was a good time to relax, uh, spend some time with family, and uh, even though we didn't get to talk on the podcast, we were still in touch about the games and everything going on, so it was good. I'm glad you clarified that. It's not like we just did not communicate <laughs> at all for, for a few weeks here or there. No, we kept in touch. It's just scheduling, trying to get each other on the same Zoom call to kind of get this podcast going was difficult. So for those of you asking, we, we apologize. We were trying to get it working, but uh, sometimes it doesn't always work out. And look, you know, the holidays are for the family. I had my brother in town, so we were sitting down watching games. He actually featured on the last episode before the little bit of break that we had here. So it, it was a good time overall, but it's time to jump into Chelsea, all things Chelsea, and a little bit of Premier League as well. But Rahul, why don't you get kicked off? Yeah, so the, like you said, the last time we spoke, we had just played Wolves away. Uh, we were a little bit disappointed. And looking at that now, it seems like it was a pretty good result given what they've done most recently. But um, since then, we've played Brentford in the Carabao Cup, a game we weren't sure that was even going to happen. Uh, we saw a lot of academy players feature in that game. We won the game, uh, moved on to the semifinal. We then played Aston Villa away uh, on Boxing Day and won that game as well. And you know, Mr. Lukaku came in and did the business at the second half. Uh, then we faced Brighton at home uh, on, I think it was the 28th, and we drew that game. Uh, and that was the last game of the year. And then came the exciting, nerve-wracking, whatever you want to call it, Liverpool game at home. Uh, and most recently, we just played Spurs at home in the Carabao Cup. So a few games have happened, and we'll touch on some of them, not all of them, uh, because then we'll be here for a long, long time. Uh, but yeah, it's been an eventful period for Chelsea. Yeah, indeed it has. And Lots of highs and lows as well, I will say. I mean, you know, there are wins in there, but there are a couple of di difficult moments, like you said. We talked about earlier what Wolves and how, okay, yeah, it, it seems like it was a, a bad result at the time. It's a good result, but then you come back and you, you see another result here, and then Brighton, it's like Chelsea put us through a whole bunch of emotions. You and I talked about December blues, you know, the nightmares we've been having. December's over. That's the first thing we need to talk about there, and that's really, really exciting, but all through December, Rahul, before we dissect some of these games, we were hampered through COVID. We had a lot of injuries. Uh, there's a big elephant we need to talk about in the room that we'll get to here in just a second. Uh, your favorite referee was back in December to, to you know, soften the blows we were having. But uh, all through it, I think it was, it was a decent December. But I think maybe, and I don't want to speak for you, but maybe we're happy it's over and we're into January now. Absolutely. We're, we're definitely happy it's over. Uh, it felt like it went on forever. And it, honestly, it felt like we played every game that was scheduled at that month. Uh, even And I think that might actually be true because we didn't get a game canceled. We didn't get a, get a game postponed. So um, we played every game that we were supposed to. And I think we may be the, one of the only clubs that did that, which in itself is, is a testament to Tuchel and, and the squad. 
even though he tried his best to get games postponed. Uh, and we understand why it wasn't because we just wanted to have a day off or have some extra time. It was it was genuine reasons. Uh, COVID, like we've mentioned, and, and um, injuries and players being forced back early. So he was overall concerned, but we made it through. I think we lost only one game, yep. uh, the West Ham game, which was pretty early in the month. So a few draws, which derailed our, our uh, title hopes a little bit, but that was the difference was last year, around this time we were just losing games this time around we weren't losing them but we weren't winning them and and that's where the issues were yeah i'm glad you actually highlighted that point because i think given the amount of points we dropped and kind of going from top of the table to you know losing ground on manchester city we tend to forget that we really only lost that one game like you covered over here and so it feels like we've lost a lot more, but we were resilient at the very least and not give away those games, whether we had to fight back, get a draw, or sometimes get a last minute goal conceded. And it, it seems like a loss. Um, I take a minute, I pause, I look at it and say, we really only lost one game. Yes, it's unfortunate of what happened in that time, but Manchester City are a machine in December. And so from here, we have to look at the silver linings and kind of go from there. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's interesting, right? Because up until December or even through December, we said title. We want to go for the title. And and that's because we, coming off the back of a Champions League win, adding Lukaku to the squad, uh, seeing what Tuchel had done with the squad, we were confident that we could challenge. But in reality, we've seen with the injuries, Ben Chilwell goes out, we're down to Alonso. We've seen with Reese James now, who picked up an injury right at the end of the year, we're down to maybe Aspilicueta only as a real wingback option. So there are some issues within the squad that were getting covered up when everyone was fit and healthy and we were winning games, uh, which we're now experiencing where we are short in certain positions and we yeah. do need to strengthen and get to a point where we are the machine that we talk about as Man City. And so, and we don't know, maybe in the next four or five months, we do go on and win the title and, and everything I'm saying doesn't really matter. Uh, but being realistic, you got to look at you know where we are and where we've how far we've come in the space of a year. I think we're headed in the right direction, and with a few more key signings in the summer or or even maybe in January, we could be up and closer to City, and hopefully in a year's time we'll we will surpass them. I definitely hope so. But look, I talked earlier about highs and lows. Let's talk about some highs and lows that have happened. Let's start with your favorite memory in 2021 i think as we kind of dive through these highs and lows let's give us something a little bit joyous and then we'll come back and talk about a low in just a minute here yeah so for me i mean i've mentioned his name a few times this time last year he would have not been a favorite memory of mine and that's uh thomas tuchel you know he came in and early in 2021 uh, we were pretty heartbroken when he came in and obviously so because frank lampard was let go uh, but he's come in and won my heart and won a lot of Chelsea fans' hearts uh, because of just the way he handles the press, the players, winning a Champions League, and let's not forget, which you know is, is no small achievement. Uh, he's worked his way into at least my heart. And for me, that's my favorite memory is him coming in and changing the course of this club and taking us from, you know, we okay, we'll be challenging in a few years to we're going to be challenging in a year's time or we're going to be closer to city in a year's time. So for me, it's going to be bringing him in and, and supporting him in, in, in this role that we've brought him into. So for me, that's, that's my favorite memory. 
Yeah, I think it's key, Rahul, because we've talked about stability for a long time. Chelsea tends to change managers like we change our shirts. I mean, a little bit of an exaggeration there, obviously, but we, we do go through managers very quickly. And I think one of the key things for me, speci- specifically around Tuchel, is the press management. He gets quizzed a lot with, dare I say, silly questions or almost questions where they're trying to trip you up and frustrate you. But he handles it with such grace. He handles it with a level of intellect that says, I kind of know what's going on. So I'm going to push them to the side or deflect the situation. And we'll talk about that low in a few minutes here, but does very well. And I think that's what gets fans endeared is that it doesn't seem like there's too much of a big situation that he cannot handle. And so it gives us a little more confidence that no matter what's happening, December blues or nightmares, whatever you want to call it, he's going to help us ride that wave and make it through. So Nicely said, you know, 2021 was, again, a crazy time. We talked about the Champions League win, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying, hey, someone's going to say the Champions League win. Um, interestingly for me, Rahul, I'm actually going to say it's the Real Madrid semifinal game that we played. And, and it's for a couple of reasons I'll highlight that, because it's so close to the final. Why don't I just pick the final? I'll address that first. I think for me, being a Chelsea fan going back many, many years now, That 2012 Champions League final was such an incredible high. It came from, you know, the Manchester United game. It came from the weird Barcelona issues. We had made it to so many semifinals in between where under Mourinho, you you could have thought that we had dominated the Champions League for years. And so when we finally won that, it was all that pressure, all that weight lifted off where it's like, we've got a Champions League. And look, I did want one, but what was beautiful at that first one was you and I got to watch it together. We were in a room with Chelsea fans. We were in a room with some banter fans, Man United. <laughs> we kicked them out. And so watching this Real Madrid semifinal together was you. Your wife was there. My wife was there. My brother, my dad. It was a great atmosphere. We were watching in a bar, and you and I were jumping up on that stage <laughs> when we scored those goals. And it was just incredible just to cap off you know, a great year coming off of COVID and different things like that. Sure, it's still going on now, but uh, nice for all of us to be in the same place and celebrate something together. It's making me emotional that you've picked that for, for those reasons. But you're right. It, I think the first one is always going to be the one that sticks out and, and stays special. Not to say the second one wasn't and the third and fourth and fifth one won't be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that Real Madrid game, especially because we came in and we were like, well, we drew the first game. It's Real Madrid. We don't know what's going to happen. And we dominated that game as we dominate pretty much every semifinal that we've played under Tuchel. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, that definitely was a great memory from, from the last year. Yeah, look, I've just taken us from the highest highs. Let's go down to some lows. I talked about the elephant in the room earlier. I think you know what we're kind of alluding to here. And that's big rum. You know, there was a lot of activity that happened around the holidays with some interviews that were given to the Italian media. Now, I'll be perfectly transparent, perfectly honest. I till today still don't know exactly what was said, what was meant, what it was supposed to mean. All I know is that the bits and pieces that have come out, not just from the interview, but from Lukaku himself, from Thomas Tuchel, uh, they made us as Chelsea fans a little bit uncomfortable, not necessarily because Chelsea can't function without Lukaku. I think we've done it before. We can continue to do it without him as well. But I think it's one of those things where we look at our players and say, uh, you want them fully motivated and ready, especially when you're going through a difficult December period and verbiage like that comes out. Why don't you summarize what happened and we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so he did an interview with Sky Italia maybe at the beginning of December. 
where he, I guess his intentions of the, for this interview were to clear up his departure from Inter and what Inter and the fans mean to him. Uh, but in the process of doing so, you know, as, an, as a media outlet, you do tend to ask him about Chelsea and how things are. Uh, and in process of expressing his gratitude towards Inter, he almost expressed his dissatisfaction at being at Chelsea. Now, again, this interview was done in Italian. Lukaku speaks a number of languages and Italian is one of them. So a lot of quotes that initially came out were lost in translation, you can say, uh, were done with the purpose of grabbing a headline. Uh, and so initially it was being reported that he was unhappy with Tuchel. The system had changed. Uh, the system that Tuchel had initially proposed and, and brought him into was not what he was being playing. Uh, and he was unhappy. And then he goes on to talk about how much he loves Inter. He wants to go back to Inter. He misses being there. He misses the country. He misses Lautaro Martinez. Uh, the interviewer asks, 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 asks him, do you want Martinez to join you at Chelsea? And he says, no, tell him to stay there. I'll be back soon. Um, and so all of that coupled with the way he said was, was dissatisfaction with Tuchel and the system just added to the way the interview left a bad taste in, in the Chelsea fans and, and even Tuchel and the board's mouth was, it seemed like our hundred million pound signing after four months of being here actually doesn't want to be here if Inter had offered him a new contract, he would have not even acknowledged Chelsea's offer. So all of that just didn't sit right, rightly so. I mean, you don't really expect that. If Lukaku had been here five, six years and said something like that, you say, okay, let him go, but not after four months, especially when he said, this is my dream club. I will make it here. So it, it all contradicted everything that had happened yeah. in the past, but that's what the interview was about. Uh, and then, but you know what? Lukaku did allude to this kind of not saying I did an interview, but right after the Villa game, he said, I've spoken to the manager. We've had a number of conversations. I've kind of expressed to him. I'm a multidimensional player in his words. I can do whatever he needs me to do. So he had kind of prepped us that there were conversations that had happened in the background between him and Tuchel, but obviously that was not what he said in his interview with Sky Italia. So um, I think he tried to limit the damage even before it had happened, but it happened and, and he was dropped. Yeah, those things happen sometimes, like you said, when a player has been at a club for a long time, you're looking for a change. But I think a lot of it sits sour because of who Lukaku is as a person, right? You, you covered a lot of it saying he was coming to Chelsea. That was his boyhood, boyhood club. And for those who haven't seen it, whether or not you agree with how this has gone down, it really was his boyhood club. There's actually videos and media of him coming in there on a field trip where he's in awe of Stamford Bridge. I'm going to play here one day. Didier Drogba is my favorite player on earth. You know, all of those things still hold true. I mean, in fact, when he joined Chelsea, they talked about how Drogba phoned him. Uh, there was no other club he would like to come to. So it's definitely sour, Rahul, when you see things like this and you, you hear things like this and you try and understand what went wrong. But look, Tuchel, again, to his credit, coming back to your statement of we brought Tuchel in, does a very good job of feeling the media and says calm down. A lot of this is meant for us to have conversations behind closed doors. Day to day, everything is fine. And there was a little bit of a jab there. I don't know if a lot of people caught. He said, I've been at clubs where way worse things happen. <laughs> I think, hint, hint, PSG, you've got those attitudes of Neymar and Mbappe and players like that. And so to him, this was not a big deal. It was 
uh, either uh, an interview that was misconstrued or Lukaku's raw passion came out for his love for Inter and he kind of blinded himself a little bit to not keep a media presence maybe. Uh, but they handled it well. They went behind closed doors. They had discussions. Uh, to Tuchel's credit, it came out within a day or two. It was all resolved. Uh, dropping Lukaku, a lot of people thought was a punishment. To me, it was more of that's not deter from the good stuff that the 11 on the field are going to do. So let's give that a break. And, you know, lovely enough, Lukaku came out and issued a, an apology. Now, a lot of people may say it's it's media duty. You've got to say what you've got to say. But you can refuse. You can go out there and say, look, I've said what I've had to say. i got to go through. It takes a big man to step up and at least try and attempt to right your wrongs. And at the end of the day, look, it is a different league. It is a different manager. It is a different position. You're going to have to adjust. And you can get frustrated. And Rahul, you and I have messaged back and forth the amount of times Lukaku makes a run or does a change and nobody finds him. And so we wonder, when is that ever going to settle correctly? When are we going to find him? And look, we'll get into uh, the Tottenham game in a few minutes here. But other than that, I think this is one of those where hopefully we can put this to bed, look forward, and the 100 million man can start scoring a few more goals to just put all of this behind him. Yeah, I agree with you. That's ultimately we want him to do his talking on the pitch. Uh, no matter who he cares for in his heart, if it's Inter, it's Inter. If it's Chelsea, it's Chelsea. As long as he's doing the business on the pitch, we don't care. Uh, and these interviews in the future need to be, I guess, thought through a little more. Uh, and he could express his love for Inter in the summer, and I think we wouldn't care. But in the mid middle of the season, like you said, in, the, in a December period where we've been having a tough time, he comes out and does that. That that just doesn't feel right. He's apologized. We've accepted it. He played in the Tottenham game. He sh- maybe if he had scored, it would have felt even better. Um, but anyway, we move on. And for Lukaku, you've you've got to earn our trust back a little bit, and you can do that by. Winning us a couple of trophies here. <laughs> if he starts banging in the goals, I think all will be forgiven, like you said. But that was kind of the low we were talking about. Let's move on to some highs. Let's talk Liverpool, Rahul. What a game of football that was, wasn't it? That was the Premier League at its finest. It was something to behold. Now, before the game started, Jurgen Klopp, who was another passionate guy, was not able to be on the sidelines because of covid like we said earlier, it seems like everybody's getting COVID these days. It's ramping through all of the Premier League. Chelsea continue to play through their issues. Jurgen Klopp was not there. Tuchel had to make do with his team. But, you know, the game doesn't start out like we want it to start out, does it? It doesn't. And it's it's frustrating because we had an opportunity from a mistake on Liverpool's in Liverpool's box, really, uh, that Pulisic, you know, couldn't, couldn't control and get it out of his feet. And then we make a mistake through Chaloba and we get punished. And honestly, that's really the difference between being, being, you know, in the title race and being hoping to get into the, into the title race. And so we get punished by Mane who maybe shouldn't have even been on the pitch. And we'll talk about that uh, with our friend, Anthony Taylor's crimes. Um, But Mane puts them up one nil and honestly didn't deserve to be one nil down, but we're still trying. We're doing everything we could. Honestly, we had a lot of, possession we had chances we were running in behind them um it goes back to my question which i had asked Narain was why do liverpool play this high line when they know they're going to get exploited and and they were getting exploited but when you have the likes of salah you're always going to have an opportunity to go two up and he to his credit went one-on-one at alonso and and in that case there's only one winner and it was Salah and, and he beats Alonso, but then he still got to beat Mendy 
and he beats him very easily, which I think is all credit to Salah. I think Mendy could have not done anything else. He tried to make himself bigger and Salah just kind of shimmies it and, and puts it right uh, at the near post. And it's 2-0 and Chelsea are looking around and saying, we've been dominating this game. Yeah, Raul, you also mentioned Alonso. I think, honestly, you look at what Salah is doing this season and has been doing for several seasons. That shoulder shimmy he does where he just drops his shoulder and then within a split second bursts the other direction. There are not many defenders out there that I think would get the better of Mohamed Salah or, or would not fall for his shimmy. I think at this current time, he's one of the best on, on the world coming from that right wing with his left foot. And yes, he, he makes Alonso look like he's not there, but I don't think there are many footballers that would be able to stop that shimmy when they have that angle. I uh, disagree. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Once he gets through, just the presence of mind to kind of dink it over Mendy, just waiting for him to make a move. That's Mohamed Salah at his finest. And so I'm not so mad about that that second goal. I mean, I think we kind of felt the hit on that first goal where it was an accident that happened through. So not much can be said there, but I'm sure you want to say something about the left back that could stop Salah over here. No, not the left back, but the left center back who after that moment didn't leave Salah alone for a second. And that's Tony Rudiger, who actually honestly did get caught out on the, on the goal. Uh, it just got caught out out of position. But from that point on, he said, Salah, you're staying in my pocket. And the only way you go out is to go to AFCON. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, we've seen the videos and I, and on Instagram. Rudiger literally is hugging him when they're taking a, yeah. a throwing. Uh, and so Rudiger came back and, and said, not, not any more of this. And, that's why I said I disagreed as Antonio Rudiger, who on his game is currently one of the best defenders. <laughs> he, he really is. I mean, we don't give him enough credit. There's a lot of contract saga going on right now, and we've talked about it quite a bit, but definitely is one of his best. And the other center back is Chaloba. I know he made that mistake, but other than that, he really kind of didn't let that affect him. He stepped back up and was very, very solid for that entire game after that. He definitely was. And I remember messaging you saying, He's showing a lot of character. He he's made a, not just that mistake, but even earlier in the half, he he went in a little too aggressively and got caught out out of position. But he grew into it. He came into it and didn't let those mistakes affect him. And that's credit to him, but also credit to uh, Tuchel and and the players around him who said, "Don't worry about it. You play your game, and and it'll get better." And and he did. And not only did he get better, I think Chelsea got a little bit better on the finishing, didn't they? What happened in that miraculous moment from our little Croatian? He turned into Frank Lampard, Michael Essien. <laughs> Just that, wow, that was that was some goal. And I honestly didn't expect him to hit it because it's a free kick that I think Kai Havertz wins. Alonso takes it pretty much on the goal gets saved and it's coming back and uh, Kovacic, I beg your pardon, is taking a couple of steps back and then with one foot, like basically a skip, just bangs it back into the net and you're like, what just happened? Because (laughs) we're so used to Kovacic, you know, bringing it down and controlling it so well and and then reach, you know, reach, um, putting it back out into into, into the wings and all of a sudden he takes a shot and I think we've been crying for that from him is we we've seen whenever he scores his worldies, he's got it in him. And I guess that's why he scores scores worldies is because he doesn't do it all the time. Uh, but that was honestly, for me, one of the goals of the season. Look, speaking of goals of the season, I know this is a little bit of a tangent. You had made a good joke and I think our listeners deserve to hear this. 
the goals of the season real highlight for the month of December was going to be Jorginho taking penalties <laughs> all December long. Now, look, I know this goes out of December. Maybe we can squeeze it back in there as, <laughs> as a contender. No, I mean, whatever he's doing to get that kind of finish, whatever he felt the confidence to take that shot, he needs to do more of that because he has it in his wheelhouse. I think they don't necessarily encourage him coming from deep to take those shots. But my goodness, the balance, the presence of mind, just the confidence to try something different. Because like you said, we dominated possession. We were stringing balls through. We were getting in behind, but nothing seemed to work. And so... Sometimes in a game, you need that Frank Lampard-esque moment where you just bang it in and it goes in and it just changes the, the nature of the game at that point in time. And, you know, we were at a point in that game where we were heading to halftime. We were almost deflated, not sure what more to do. And even if we had scored a goal, maybe a tap-in or a different kind of goal, this goal almost brought the belief back that yeah. we can do this. We're Chelsea. We can do this. We feel good about this. And it just all of a sudden we went from a kind of a load to like, we're going to win this game. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we storm back and get a second. And we can talk about that now through Pulisic, where you could see we were growing in confidence. We were like, we're going to get this goal even before halftime and come back and tie this game. And we were knocking it around. We were doing everything well. We, once again expose Liverpool's high line and get Pulisic in finally behind and I jumped out of my seat as soon as I see Pulisic running onto the ball and I'm like this guy has to score this <laughs> and he scores it and I'm yelling in my in my living room and my parents are there and I'm going crazy and they're looking at me like what's going on here but honestly like that those few minutes summed up everything right we had done in that half and not only that half bro I think it's a testament to the type of football that Tuchel wants to play and that we know that we can play, which is why December has been such a difficult moment for us or a difficult period for us, I should say, because we do have this in our wheelhouse. We do have the possibility not only to control the game, like we've done so much of a December, but to find those options, in this case, a long range from Kovacic or Pulisic finding somebody behind and just having a lovely finish into the, the top-hand corner of the net. It's just things that we should be doing very often, and it just is a glimpse of what I'm expecting going forward in January and for the rest of the season to come. Absolutely, and we didn't deserve to be two down, but we certainly deserve to get two back. So yeah. going into the halftime and tied up, we definitely, honestly, I felt we would come back and win it. Um, but I think both teams decided to maybe pull back a little and, and, and put the handbrake up, uh, even though the second half was at pretty much at the same level, just without the goals. Yeah. Uh, we did have an opportunity from Pulisic who had a cross come in and he shot it pretty much straight at their goalie, uh, Keller. Um, but apart from that, I think maybe if Lukaku was in it, I hate to say this, if he was in it, we get a third, maybe a fourth, but he did what he did. And, and I don't want to focus on him. The guys on the field gave everything. Chaloba went off, I think, injured. We made some changes. We tweaked things around. We tried to win it. Unfortunately, we couldn't, but we didn't lose it. And it comes back to the same point is maybe last year or two years ago, we would have lost this game. That's definitely something that most likely would have happened in the situation. But again, credit to, to the players. I think Tuchel is installing some level of belief or some level of fight, some level of courage, whatever you want to call it. And I, for one, I'm happy to see that, Rahul. Like, it's not going to necessarily take us to win the Premier League, 
but it's putting the foundations down there of a mentality of a spine of players of a good group of guys that have this never say die attitude. And Oh, by the way, if we can come back from two nail down to Liverpool, what does that say for other clubs that we're going to start facing? And, and that's something I'm excited about. So maybe on that high note, we continue and jump into Spurs at home in the Carabao cup. Yeah. So Another tough game, and we'll touch on our January's fixture schedule here in a second, but Spurs coming in uh, for the first leg of the Carabao Cup uh, at the bridge. And a few hours before the game, we find out two players may have tested positive. We don't know who they are. The lineup comes out, and you message me saying back four. And I looked at it, and I'm like, no, I don't don't think Tuchel's the type (laughs) to change to a back four. Uh, but he did, and he shared before the kickoff that Thiago Silva and Angola Conte had tested positive. Uh, so he was forced into making some changes, and he comes, honestly, for the first time with a back four, which I still couldn't believe even while I was watching the game. But we basically picked up where we left off against Liverpool, even in a back four, and just dominated Spurs. We honestly made them look like a championship team, at least for that first half. We looked fresh, Rahul. I think that's something that Spurs were not expecting. So we were so different. We were so dynamic. We were controlling and flooding that midfield where Spurs just didn't know what would hit them. And personally, I know we've had a lot of success with the three at the back. Uh, We've had a lot of clean sheets up until December, of course, with the four in the midfield, specifically the wing backs. But it's almost like we've been found out. You know, Chelsea have... You know, Jorginho is the third best player on, on the world, but not necessarily the most attacking player in the world. And, and N'Golo Kante, while some people say, yes, he has a lot of strength driving forward, doesn't always have that killer final ball or, or hits it all the time to go into, into a goal. And so we were really set up to be successful defensively and go with our wingbacks, in this case, Reese and Ben Chilwell, and be successful. But this season, especially closer to December, a lot of managers were putting two players on recent Ben Chilwell or our wing backs and pinning them back. And we struggled for ideas. And so I'm so happy to see something different in this case, you know, four, two, three, one in the second half, I saw a four, three, three, and you start to look at how fluid we were. And again, coming back to the defensive midfielders, they don't have to do that work of driving forward. In this case, he went with Saul and Jorginho. They had to be tidy, which they were tidy, Rahul, very, very tidy in that game did the basics, which we've always screamed about. And then you just have to find a very small pass to your creative three, which in this case were Mount Hakim Ziyech, we need to talk about in a minute here, and Kai Havertz with Lukaku leading the line. It really seemed to balance the players that we had ready. And hopefully we can take this and add it to our tools and our arsenal to go forward in the next few games here. I agree with you. And yes, we started as a back four, but when we were defending at certain points, it was still turning into a back five with... Uh, Aspilicueta tucking in Hakim Ziyech basically playing as a right wing back uh, and it was so fluid that you could you would think that Chelsea have been doing this for years and it wasn't just maybe one or two training sessions where Tuchel had the opportunity to maybe implement this and and that was the beauty of it was we just looked like naturals at doing this and and made Spurs look very average at least in that first half again uh, and what was sweeter was we capitalized on our domination with, yes. with the possession, with the goals and Kai Havertz picks up a, a great goal. Uh, the second goal comes through an own goal, which is pretty much what Spurs do is, is shoot <laughs> themselves in the foot. 
but we got to talk about that first goal with Alonso pressing Emerson Royale, winning the ball early, and then playing it in behind the defense. And Kai Havertz just doing the business, breaks his finger in the process of doing that, uh, but plays on for the rest of the half. And honestly, we could have scored more than the two that we did. Uh, and I, I think the players and Tuchel said it too after the game was we could have basically killed this t- the whole tie off in this game. And unfortunately we didn't, we have to go back to the second leg in, in next week. But if we can have this four, two, two, four, three, two, one, four, four, two, whatever you want to call it in our arsenal and our tools, like you were saying, I think the second half of the season will be very fun to watch. It definitely will. And, you know, credit to Alonso Rahul, like you said, I think that's where he shines is when he's going forward. And so, when he has that opportunity to press and, you know, a little bit of disrespect to Tottenham, they just weren't that good going forward. So Alonso didn't have a busy day playing left wing back. I think even Antonio Conte came out and said the difference between Chelsea and us is is quite a bit. And there's a lot of, a lot of work to do at Tottenham still. So uh, one of those things where I think there's a little bit of joy in hearing our old manager feel a little bit of a, a sting that his club is not <laughs> as good as where he came from. But also, you know, Credit to Chelsea. I think we've covered some of the great things they have done so far. Uh, one of the things I was a little bit disappointed, maybe, uh, to look at such a good performance, but seeing how Lukaku made runs, seeing how he tried to hold up the ball, and we didn't always, as he has said, play to his strengths. You've got to wonder with this 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, where he can be really dynamic in that center and hold up the ball or turn off a shoulder and run if we play a couple quicker balls to him or find him a little bit faster, he could be banging in goals. Is Does he have some credit with we're not playing to his strengths? Uh, I mean, a little bit, right? You, you can say that in training. You can say that to the manager. I think the issue is don't go out saying that to the media. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, because we've seen it, right? You and I have spoken about it even before the Sky Italia interview came out was oh, Lukaku made this beautiful run, but we we didn't find him in time, and then he was offside. And that happened in this game, too. A number of times he was making the run, putting his hand up here, here, and the ball didn't come. And in his mind, he probably was like, this this is exactly what I meant, but he would applaud it, and, and for the cameras and for the overall optics of it, was making it seem like, all right, no problem, we'll do this again. Um, and I think that's where playing with these players and training with them. Unfortunately, he's trained with them two months, been injured, came back, got COVID. So I think just having more time with them, having an understanding with them on the pitch, they will start finding him. And I think communicating to Tuchel that, you know, I'm making these runs. Maybe we do release this ball earlier. And we've seen Jorginho do that before in the past with Tammy Abraham. I I think of that Watford goal a few seasons ago. So we can do it. I think we just need to know that, not that we don't know. I I think no is the wrong word, but we just need to have that in the back of our mind that Lukaku is making that run. Let's release it now versus making an extra pass or two. Yeah, look, Rahul, and practice makes perfect, right? We've talked about this right. all, all half season long is that Tuchel continuously rotates his front three. Uh, we've had injuries now with Kovacic being in and out, Jorginho being in and out, Kante being in and out, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was having a good run, then he was out. And so you've got to imagine that if you're not having a solid group or a core group of guys playing week in, week out, how can they form that relationship? How can they have that mental understanding of, 
I can look right, but I know off my left shoulder, Lukaku's making a run. They can't because they don't play together enough. Yes, they train, but of course the injuries come in. You're playing with different players in training groups. It's not the same in a match where you know how to run off a guy's shoulder or whatnot. So Lukaku signed a five-year contract. In his apology, he said the exact same thing. I'm here for five years at the at the very least. He's trying to say in his words, he's he's committed. He's got some frustrations, but I think with time, this will come and we will see the best of him because he, he is a proven Premier League player. It's just now getting used to his Chelsea guys that he plays with. You're right. And, and I think back to his time at his favorite club, Inter, he didn't win the title right out the gates there. He, right. It took him a whole season. In the second season, I think he won it. So similarly over here, it's going to take him some time to adjust, get used to his his um, teammates and, and them getting used to him. But as he gets further into his prime, He's only going to get better and, and the players around him are only going to get better in understanding him. So time will be the best um, way to, to improve and get things going. So New Year starts well, winning ways. What are we going next to? Chesterfield in the FA Cup? Yes, sir. That is our only, I don't want to say easy, but our only non-Premier League side that we'll face this month. So before we do that, let me just touch on our fixtures. We've spoken about Liverpool in January. We've spoken about Spurs and the Carabao Cup in January. We're about to talk about Chesterfield. But after that, we have Spurs away again in the Carabao Cup. We have Man City away in the Premier League. We now have Brighton away right after Man City away in the Premier League. And then we have Spurs at home in the Premier League. So that's a, a busy month and a tough month with some of these good sides coming through. Even though we've just dismantled Spurs, you know that in the next two fixtures, they're not going to be that easy to beat. So it's a busy time coming up and Chesterfield, no disrespect, present an opportunity for us to maybe rest some of the guys that have been playing for the last two, three weeks. Uh, And hopefully no more positive COVID tests because that really disrupts uh, Tuchel's plans. But in this game, who would you start? Do we go back three, back four? Uh, What are your thoughts on this one? I'd love to see us continue with the back four, given some of the injuries and just based off the wonderful performance against Tottenham, I think there's some value to be given there. But honestly, I think he'll go back to a back three. I think it's just what Tuchel's preferred system is. So in goal, potentially Kepa again, just because it's his chance to get a whole string of games. But I would not be uh, upset if uh, Bet- Bettinelli gets Bet- a, a yep. run into the game. So that would be fine as well. Uh, back three of Aspiliqueta. You know, he's getting a lot of football given that he's out of contract in the summertime here. So something to think about Chelsea. And then Andres Christensen, I heard that he's back to fitness as well. So could be a good way to get him into, no disrespect to Chesterfield, but a little bit of a lower opposition. And another man that was good against uh, Tottenham in, in Malangsar, maybe coming back into the fold and getting back-to-back games here. Um, in the middle, you probably want to see Ruben Loftus-Cheek, maybe Saul. You know, Saul, again, like I said, in that 4 2 3 one very yeah. very yeah very solid so be nice to see him uh, maybe for wing backs we've got some youth that could potentially come in and simmons and, and harvey vale and the front three rahola you know callum hudson adoy deserves a couple of minutes here and there christian pulisic uh, he's been injured a lot for chelsea i think now is his time to really shine with things that are going on and who better to lead the line than timo warner he had a good good opportunity against tottenham and maybe it's time for him to bag a couple of goals against chesterfield I, I agree, and that, that's honestly a good lineup. Um, Aspie, I know, went off, but I think it was just cramp, so he should be fit and ready to go. Christensen, like you said, should be a good option too, and then 
I'd love to see the youth get an opportunity because we are looking at certain players in the market from, yeah. from what we hear, um, but nothing solid. So the youth like, just like Chalaba have an opportunity to maybe convince Tuchel that we don't need to go out and spend the money and they can do the job for him. Uh, and Pulisic, honestly, I'd love to see him play his, his winger position because he's missed out on that in the last few games because he's played pretty much everywhere. I think Alex, who's hopefully joining us on the next podcast, uh, mentioned that when Aspie went off in the Spurs game, Pulisic actually slotted into the right center back position. So he's just turning into this utility player that we didn't even know we had in him. Um, but yeah, honestly, it'd be good to see him in that front three. And then Timo, honestly, I wish he would get some goals here because um, that will only put the pressure on Lukaku to do better. Absolutely. And and look, Timo is such a nice guy, such a humble guy in contrast to some of the things we've talked about with Lukaku that you always you want him to succeed. And so I for one would love to see him get a couple of goals here. I agree. So uh, score predictions? It, you know, it's difficult when you ask me that in December, but I'm hopeful for the <laughs> new year, 2022. I'm hopeful for January. I'm, we're coming off a couple of really good performances. Again, I, I spoke about Chesterfield being maybe lesser opposition, but we are rotating. So I, I think uh, maybe a four nail would be a good result for Chelsea to kind of build up for January. Yeah, that, that, that would be a good result, especially on the back of Liverpool, Spurs and that. Um, I will go for, and I know this is usually a, a point of contention, especially on Instagram. <laughs> um, I will go for a 2 nil Changes, Chesterfield most likely will just sit deep and, and try to play on the counter. Um, but I will go for a 2 nil And honestly, I wish it's 3-4-5 um, because we can build up some confidence here ahead of these tough fixtures coming up. Hopefully the followers on Instagram cut you some slack. <laughs> Instagram, Rahul, we have now got to 12,000 followers on Instagram. So for each and every one of you, thank you. We continue to you know, put out good content for you for 2022. And for everybody who is listening, you know, if you have people who are interested in Premier League, Chelsea, share the podcast, share our Instagram page. We always love to hear your thoughts as well. Absolutely. So uh, before we wrap it up, um, there was a Chelsea women's game scheduled this Friday. Unfortunately, it had to be canceled due to COVID outbreak. So we just wanted to wish the players and staff uh, members in the women's squad that tested positive a speedy recovery. And on the men's side, like we mentioned, Thiago Silva and N'Golo Conte tested positive. So wishing them uh, a healthy recovery and back to fitness um, in these in these really tough times with um, the COVID outbreak. So. Uh, that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. Uh, as always, send us your feedback. We will be posting our, our predicted lineups and scores on Instagram, so do interact with us. Uh, and we will be back later with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels.